There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Smart Muslimer podcast. Inshallah, if you find this podcast episode useful, please subscribe and tell your friends and family about Smart Muslimer. Also, good news, I have a newsletter and that's how we can stay in touch. To subscribe, please go to smartmuslimah.com. Details are also in the podcast notes. In the newsletter, I'll be sharing my book recommendations, productivity tips and online courses that I've created and also information about a new book that I'm writing called Smart Single Muslimer. Inshallah, it will help you to transform the way you approach love and relationships. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Smart Muslimer podcast. Inshallah, I hope you're well. If you're new here, my name is Farhat Amin. And in today's podcast, um, I'm welcoming back a, um, uh, a guest that I've had on before. Um, her name's Seher and um, she has a bookstagram page called Bookie Fiction. Um, I definitely recommend you to, to, uh, to go and follow her. And basically she posts her reviews of books that she's been reading and if you are looking for ideas for books to read, um, then Alhamdulillah, you know, you should definitely check out her page um, because she's got lots of ideas there. Um, Asalaamu Alaikum Seher, welcome back to the podcast. Walaikum Asalaam, how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm really well. How's your week been so far? Yeah, Alhamdulillah, it's been not too bad really, aside from the kind of snow and the cold and work. Yeah, it's been okay, glad for the weekend. Yeah, isn't it? I know it's, uh, um, you know, when you're working, but don't you, do you find that working from home, like it's um, in the weekend, well, you have to like, make sure you don't do any work. Um, do you find that easy to do to like, just not do any kind of work and just relax? 
Yeah, I find it quite easy to switch off. I'm not one of those kind of work dominated people where I just think about work all the time. The weekend is really for me to just relax and read and spend time with my family. Oh, alhamdulillah. That's nice. I wish I was more like that. I I, I can't. Um, I, I'm still working on that, trying to put work aside and put it in a box and close it on the weekend. Um, yeah. I guess, yeah, it's, I guess, I, you know, I think that's what it is when you're working for yourself. Yeah, that's what it is. Cause I'm, I, yeah, I work for myself. So mm-hmm. I don't have a boss telling me to stop working or so, yeah, I need to tell myself to stop working. I think that's what I need to do. Um, yeah. But so, so the, one of the books I saw on your recent, um, recently posted was called Hijabistan and um, it was quite, the cover's quite provocative, isn't it? How would you describe the cover of this book? So when I first saw the cover, I thought it was quite eye-catching actually. There's a lot, of, a lot of colours and it's quite kind of psychedelic and funky. And then I zoned in on the ice lolly that the female character was holding. And I didn't realise at first because I just, I glanced at it. And then when I went back and looked at it, I realised that it said feminists on there. So I didn't, that should have been my first red flag, but I just disregarded it. I was like, you know, what, I'll just give it a try and read it. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was quite quite eye-catching quite yeah, colorful because she's yeah she's a hijabi and it's a very she's a very pretty um mm-hmm. like cartoon like hijabi and you know when I first saw I she didn't even see the feminist um sprawled on the lolly on the ice yeah. lolly I just saw her and um and I thought oh okay um and so it's and because the thing is that I've been reading quite a few books about feminism because um to research a book that I'm editing with some other sisters who are writers. And um, we're writing a book which is, you know, critiquing feminism. So I've, I've, there was a time last year where I was reading a lot of books like this, and then I just couldn't read anymore. Um, yeah. And, but when I saw this, I thought, you know what, I might read it. Um, <laughs> so, so tell us, what is this book about? Okay, so the title is Hijabistan and you know, it's quite self-explanatory. It basically alludes to the hijab in Pakistan and Pakistani women, um, Pakistani Muslim women who wear the hijab. So the book in itself consists of, I think, 15 or 16 short stories. Um, not all of them are actually about the hijab, which makes the title a bit misleading, but, you know, they're, they're quite diverse and interesting. Um, and the premise is quite simple so it's just to destroy the stereotypes that people have of Pakistani women especially in light of the kind of global feminist movement um so the stories are set in both Pakistan and the UK and I think the writer's intentions were to showcase the kind of more powerful defiant side of Pakistani women and to show that they're different from how people typically perceive them especially in the west um, so it's kind of like, oh, you know, we're not just boring, submissive housewives. We also do X, Y and Z. Um, so the major theme in the book is supposed to be about Muslim women, Muslim women's experiences with the hijab. So, you know, the good and the bad and to kind of challenge things that they may not understand or things that they struggle with. But this book, it just centers on the bad. There is no good and bad. I don't know why I said that. It's just it's just a book of like kind of constant hijab slander which I yeah was a bit awful (laughs) oh so so does no one um say wearing it is is a good thing does anyone mention is there no positive spin on hijab in this book um I think there is one sentence in which the I think this is this is one of the stories that's actually set in I think London and it's this woman and she's got a kind of very very 
practicing husband I think he he is practicing um but I think that that turned out to be a front because he wanted her to take her hijab off and there was just this kind of conflict between them and she was like oh no I like wearing the hijab and he's like oh doesn't it make you feel oppressed and just stared at in the street and she's like no I like it but that that story even taking that into account that story was just a mess so there's nothing really yeah right. aside from that there isn't anything okay so so then um why do you think I'm then wondering why do you think what's the what's the point of the book then if because if um it's yeah I'm just wondering that that do we need another book about hijab you know I guess does it especially if it's not saying anything new you know nothing yeah, no. um because there are so many now there have been so many you know there's books on modest fashion then mm -hmm. there's books like this there was a, um it's not about the burqa um you have this constant um like you know um like the conveyor belt of books about muslim women yeah and, and focusing on hijab in particular and you wonder um what's the point yeah i agree there was i think this book was entirely unnecessary like hijab is spoken about on every single platform and medium whether it's books or uh social media just it's absolutely everywhere we're being bombarded about hijab is this hijab isn't this like people policing women's hijabs and all of this kind of stuff so what this book does is it doesn't challenge anything at all and i think that's the major problem i had with it because there are valid critiques and people that are genuinely inquisitive and want to understand so oh you know why do you wear the hijab is it because of this because of that whereas this book is just no like meaningful challenge at all it's just the hijab is oppressive i'm not going to make any attempt to reconcile my religion with my culture just straight up I want to get rid of it because I want to be like all those movie stars I see on tv they're so free and you know like um scantily clad and why can't I do this as a woman I want to do this I don't want to be in this kind of oppressive state so I just yeah it's very unnecessary and just perpetuates things that we see all the time whether it's on Netflix or within books Mm -hmm. And so, but now, you know, some people would say to that, that this book is amplifying the voice of Muslim women and, um, you know, any, and so that's fine. That's their, you know, that's again, their truth that they're speaking. Mm -hmm. So therefore it's fine. Let them speak their truth about hijab. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'm all for own voices in literature. So own voices refers to um, books being written about a particular culture, religion or background by someone of that culture, religion or background. So if I'm a Pakistani Muslim woman, I can write about Pakistani Muslim women and that's classified as own voices in literature. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I do believe we should celebrate and amplify Muslim women who sincerely make an effort to try to challenge stereotypes and that they do that in a meaningful way without compromising like religious beliefs or principles whereas a lot of literature that does this in terms of own voices tries to challenge but does that by entirely scapegoating islam and the deen and just saying well the cause of my oppression is my religion and you have to listen to me because i'm a pakistani woman this is my experience so you have to listen and agree with what, what with whatever i say and that's just not right is it so mm. yeah you should never blindly praise someone we have a a right to critique and to criticize things that just don't sit well with us or things that we want to challenge or query more about we can't just praise it for the sake of them being an mm. own voice author 
Yeah, because it's because uh, I'm I'm also thinking that it's like their version. You know, they're giving their version or their yep, understanding, yeah. and so because then that does begin to question how um, honest or you know even truthful or even grounded in knowledge is their version because mm-hmm. it's I've read books um I've not forgotten the it's it's basically there's a few books by American Muslim women who okay this is for example this one Pakistani woman who so she it's her journey into the it's some journey into Islam something like that mm-hmm. and um she's very critical of American Pakistani Muslims and the way she was treated now um and so it's it's a very emotional book um and um and it's um slightly victim she, she does play the victim card but because mm-hmm. she's a and, and the way that she's a victim is she's saying okay i um basically she had a, a pre-marriage a premarital relationship so she she had a relationship and then she gets pregnant and then she yeah. has a baby out of wedlock um but then she said that was my love you know my child was right. born yeah. out of love and mm-hmm. and so therefore and she thinks therefore no one should criticize me for that and therefore as a muslim woman now why should i why was i shamed and um judged for doing that so the thing okay. is so therefore she's demanding um that everyone treat basically she was mistreated and the right. thing is that now that's that's her ver- that's her version of how it happened and so but we can't then deny in islam we don't have um sex before marriage you know we don't have children out of wedlock that's something we don't islam is forbidden so yeah. so it's that kind of thing that that side isn't mentioned at that's completely ignored but mm-hmm. then the whole blame is put on pakistani men pakistani culture and then throw islam into that as well and i guess that's is that the kind of that seems to be the same kind of narrative in this book yeah definitely i think you know reading is a subjective experience and all authors give their subjective experience when they're writing books and this book definitely falls into that kind of category of well this is my experience and this is what i'm going to say but the thing with this is that it's not really like a memoir or people speaking from their personal experience it is fiction um so they are aware of the ideals that they're putting out and how they're um portraying certain figures so if it was kind of an authentic memoir that, okay, this is my life experience, I did X, Y, and Z, and you should, you have to agree with me. Whereas this isn't that, it's just showcasing oh. characters in a fictional sense and just, just and it's still portraying Islam as, as something that has caused their oppression and is the source of their oppression. Oh, right. So this is fictional. Yeah, yeah. So it's ah. a collection of short stories, really. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because the way it, it seemed, the way it's kind of, um, I'm looking at it on Amazon, and it, it's like it's, um, yeah, it's like I thought it was like um, true story, you know, true stories yeah. of people. Um, yeah. Because then it it reminds me of, um, so then you know that the, um, uh, it's not about the burqa. Yeah. That seems to be that's another book that. Um, that, like it's interesting this book doesn't seem to it hasn't got a lot of reviews and it hasn't doesn't seem to have been widely um publicized Second, or yeah you know but whereas um it's not about the broker that seemed that got a lot of um press that got of you know yeah that's been it read did. by well I know this book is fairly new it was published in February 2019 is that correct mm-hmm. yes um, yeah so but that so would you say you know because that's a, a book where um, seems to have kind of similar um, objective as well that you know the voices of Muslim women. Um, what what did you think of that? 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Um, so I did like It's Not About the Burka in the sense that I liked some of the stories in there. There were some that I just absolutely did not agree with and I didn't kind of appreciate the tone in certain stories. So as you said before, it's kind of like women giving their experiences and expecting everyone to agree with them. Um, because that was their experience and that's that's you know superior to everyone else's experience kind of thing um so when I did see the title and read the blurb of that book I did think it was just going to be you know just Islam or Muslim women's experiences purely through a feminist lens and just pitching kind of liberal feminist ideals so I was very wary when I went in um, but there were a few that really did challenge kind of the feminist perspective and how we should view um how we should view society and what we're taught is progressive and modern. Um, so I did like that aspect, but that, those stories were very, um, they were kind of few and far between. And on the whole, it wasn't, that wasn't the kind of tone that the whole book was. Um, so then I went back to the premise of the book and I was like, okay, so what does this book actually set out to do? And that was to showcase the diversity of Muslim women. And, you know, all Muslim women are different. We have different levels of orthodoxy, religiosity, um, how we identify as Muslims within Islam itself. Um, and I think it did stick true to its objective, which was to showcase different Muslim women. So I couldn't fault it on that. So even though there was a lot of things within that book as in the stories that I did disagree with, you know, on a fundamental level, but then I couldn't fault the book on something that it didn't set out to do. So if a book sets out to do X, you can't criticize it on Y. You have to think, okay, what did it, is it, did it stay true to what it claimed to do? If mm -hmm. so, then you can't criticize it on that point. So I was happy that there was some challenge of this kind of feminist rhetoric and it wasn't just all, it's not about the burqa, just take it off and, you know, hijab is meaningless. Cause I was very worried that it would do that, mm -hmm. but you know, alhamdulillah it didn't. Yeah, because it's um because the one of the you know the idea that uh, Muslim women are not a monolith that was the one of the kind of um, mm -hmm. tag tags there that we're yeah. not all we're not just all the same and it's true we're not all the same um, and um, I think yeah now I think this is the do, do you find um, and this is just a an, um, theory I have that with these books now like um, if a Muslim author or group of writers if they want to get a book published especially by um a non-muslim publishing house they have mm. to even if their intentions are good you know that they want to you know um so having um rather than having you know um non-muslim women or men writing about us and telling our stories we want to tell it ourselves 
And that makes complete sense to me. I was thinking, yeah, that, that's true. But then what happens between that idea and that good intention to then mm. be able to get it published in, uh, by a big publishing house? Um, yeah. and, I, and I, you know, like HarperCollins, which, um, um, you know, some of these books that HarperCollins do, do tend to take on these books. Now, they then end up having to pander to what the, those, um, what the non-Muslim publishing houses want as well, that they'd, they have a particular, you know, agenda that they want to push. Um, and I think like, for example, with this book, like Mona El-Tahawi's chapter on um, basically that the Muslim world needs a sexual revolution. Like mm -hmm. that chapter in that book was um, so diametrically opposing Islam. Like she, she mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty, I'm 100% sure she doesn't call herself a Muslim anymore. Like in the past she did. Mm -hmm. But the, yeah. if you see, we watch her YouTube videos and the things that she was saying, basically that we need to, Muslim women to gain, they need to have a sexual revolution like non-Muslim women have had. That, that is basically yeah. what she's saying. And that's how you'll get happiness. Um, yeah. And so she was given this platform via this book. And I think that was one of my biggest problems with mm -hmm. the book that, but I can see that they probably, um, to sell the book and pitch it and get, publicity you need to have some of those controversial voices in there yeah absolutely I agree I think when you have this kind of big names or authors that have already published things and kind of take on more a, a liberal outlook of religion they're more likely to get published so if this book it's not about the burqa was purely like the um essays by like Nafisa Bakar and Maryam Han this book wouldn't have got the reception it did it's by having those kind of controversial authors and more liberal ideas in there that it got such a wide reception in my opinion anyway yeah because um, no one wants to read about like oh feminism's bad like no like I don't know anyone who a lot you know I know a lot of people that identify as feminists so when they're challenged they see that as a threat like why are you saying that my voice as a woman doesn't isn't valid like they get very defensive about it mm. um so yeah no I think that's definitely how some books do receive a wide reception are so readily published by non-Muslim publishing houses. Yeah. And the thing is that I think what's great now is that you have got uh, um, ways to, if you have, a, if you want to publish a book and you want to keep it true to Islam, you can self-publish now, you know, Amazon yeah. through KDP, you can do that. And there are Muslim publishing houses out there as well. And so I, I do think um, that, you know, Muslim women should have the confidence to think, you know, do that. But if you go, go, um, choose a better route. Don't just choose the one where you're going to end up having to compromise, um, because it just then you get this. Because ultimately, all of us, if we whatever we're saying, whatever we're writing, that affects people. Listen to this. People are reading these books, and that, you know, you're passing. A, if you're passing a message which is going to tell, you know. To, to tell them not to that it's okay to not obey Allah that that's one yeah. of the things that came out from this when I read it I thought that's a message a Muslim woman's going to get that look here are some women who they've chosen a lifestyle that they're not obeying Allah all the time and they've even admitted you know I know I'm not a perfect Muslim but mm -hmm. um it then makes other people think yeah okay I can do that as well then yeah absolutely I agree because especially if you're a younger kind of Muslim girl or a Muslim teenager and you're already having this kind of identity crisis if you're because we as a teenage Muslim girl you are looking up to older Muslim women as your kind of role models and figures to kind of emulate so if you're looking at some you know you assume that everyone is more knowledgeable than you anyway so if you're looking at these Muslim women who are authoring these 
essays and stories and books like Hijabistan and It's Not About the Burqa, they're going to think that this is okay. They'll be like, oh, well, if she can do it, so can I. If she's saying that hijab isn't obligatory, I don't need to wear it because she's older than me. She's probably studied. She knows Islam more than I do. Um, so it's a very kind of dangerous game to play. And I think when Muslim women are publishing books, they need to be mindful of the audience and the young impressionable Muslim girls are going to read this and think, okay, you know what? I can just take religion lightly. It's not really that deep. I can do what I want. I live in the West anyway, so it's not my fault I was born here. I don't need to like adhere to religion at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of, you know. Um, and the thing is that you, when I, selling a couple of books and then, you know, for the sake of getting you know number one on Amazon is that really worth it that's what I tend to think because yeah there are a lot of books you know there's some you know if you wanted to really sell look at um thinking of I and Hirsi Ali and oh gosh you know yeah um they have become bestsellers but they've sold their religion to get it that, that's what they yeah. did for, for that and um that, that's one thing so so overall then so you would should we bother buying this book and reading it Hijabistan um absolutely not so <laughs> unless unless you're feeling down and want a laugh then yes but if you're looking because what this book does which I just think is the opposite of what it sets out to do is that it perpetuates stereotypes in the worst way so it's kind of like oh what are the, all the really disgusting poor and negative stereotypes we know about Muslims and Pakistanis let's just amalgamate that all in one book and then pitch it as challenging stereotypes like it's just it's just so funny to to me the way that this has been pitched and done um because if you're trying to challenge stereotypes don't perpetuate them hmm. you know in a very counterproductive manner so yeah there's a lot that I just didn't really like about this book especially in terms of like religion and culture and there's just no attempt at reconciling or separating culture from religion because it is as I said set in both Pakistan and the UK so rather than stating that the majority of the women or the protagonist issues stem from cultural or societal misogyny it was just about islam and veiling and that the hijab this scarf in itself was the core source of their oppression and misery and it was something that they really needed to be liberated from so it's only by removing that would they achieve liberation because i think at the end of the first story um the character is just sick of it and I think the last paragraph she just rips her hijab off and rides off into the sunset and I was like <laughs> it's very poetic but not the message that we want to be sending um and then yeah it's just yeah, there's another character who like she w starts wearing the abaya because she turns 13 and her mum or her parents force her into it and then she starts having really weird like kind of raunchy thoughts and then she like flashes around a man in the street and it's just really weird things that I would never kind of expect to come out of a book mm. and then it also kind of dabbles in um like a muslim girl's sexual orientation and oh. muslim women's outlook of marriage and it just showcases islam as this really burdensome force that prevents women from living a fulfilling and happy life both in the uk and pakistan apparently um so yeah it's just it's just all about how it kind of portrays the women in this book so the muslim women the protagonists and then the kind of side characters so one gets married to a um predominant religious figure and he turns out to be like a wahhabi and then she's like oh my god he's such a pervert and all this like really weird kind of really weird rhetoric in this book throughout each story yeah yeah and it's just yeah, yeah it seems like a lot of negative um um 
uh, stereotypes of Muslim men as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's not just all about, you know, in their pursuit of portraying Pakistani and Muslim women as, you know, amazing and empowered, it utterly slanders and slates Pakistani men. Like, it doesn't matter if he's the dad or the brother or a religious figure, it's just they are really awful and we're so oppressed because of them and they're so domineering and controlling and overall it just portrays orthodoxy in and of itself as something very oppressive and controlling and I just think going back to like it's not about the burqa and books like hijabistan and stuff I think it's really telling when the only positive reception a book receives is by non-Muslims yes. or a non-Pakistani audience. That's a major red flag in my book. Like, you know, no pun intended, but that's a huge red flag. Because, mm. you know, it's not, it's not the people that it's written about that are reading it and criticizing. It's just non-Muslims reading this and being like, oh my God, this is so entertaining. I didn't know Pakistani women could do this. And it's just, it's not, it's not a good thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, okay then. So that's um and that, uh, so a book to avoid Jalbistan. <laughs> yeah. Do not buy that book. Yeah. Do what? not be attracted by the colourful cover. Don't judge this book by its cover, please. Yeah, that's it. That's what we're learning here. Um, yeah. What do you do with the books you don't like? Do you um, give them to charity shop? <laughs> no, you probably yes. don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. So this book and some of the other books that I've got, I actually got them as ebooks. So oh, I got them, nice. yeah, either on my iPad or my phone. So I don't have a problem like disposing of them. But <laughs> I can't, I can't really think of any. Actually, no, that's. I've got a book here called The Bookseller of Kabul, which I read recently, and that was another terrible book. Does not do justice to like Afghanistan or the Afghan people at all. That's really awful. Um, mm. My friend picked that up in a charity shop, and she posted it to me. So I think I'll just. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I don't believe in burning books. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know whether I'll just finish I'll close the loop and give it to a charity store instead yeah. or ask one of my friends who wants it so I can just get it out of my house <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, I'm good yeah. well inshallah yeah. we will speak again soon um yes inshallah and, uh, yeah for your time uh yeah, take care and inshallah have a have a good weekend um and uh yeah we'll we'll speak again soon assalamualaikum walaikum salam thank you This episode is brought to you by farhatamin.com, a website that specializes in Islamic stickers, Muslim activity books, as well as Ramadan and e-decorations. Wholesale and reseller inquiries are also welcome. So visit farhatamin.com today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.